Welcome back to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchioni with you, as always. We um, uh, we filed an, a, a brief. We represent a client in uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the First Circuit, and we filed a brief this past week in the case of Harper v. Werfel. I believe we've talked about this, uh, this case on the show a few times before. Uh, under the name Harper v. Reddick, but the uh, the commissioner of the Internal Revenue Service has changed. It's now but not the rule. That's right, but not the rule. So Daniel Werfel is uh, uh, is the, the the new defendant or the new named defendant in this in this case. But this is the case where the IRS unlawfully seized financial records of our client James Harper and thousands of other civilians from a cryptocurrency exchange through abuse of a John Doe summons without notifying account holders or allowing them to contest the summons. They took Mr. Harper's documents. They had no probable cause to believe he had underreported his income or failed to pay tax. In fact, he had reported his income. He had paid his taxes. And it was only because he owned cryptocurrency and the IRS theorized that, well, maybe people who own cryptocurrency aren't paying their full taxes. They used that as a, uh, you know, as the excuse uh, to seize these records from the cryptocurrency exchange and essentially conduct a fishing expedition. Uh, the problem uh, for the government- Thousands of them. So it's not like just them. his, it's, it's just give us all the crypto people. Well, and they asked for tens of thousands of them and the and the, and the the judge cut that back to like 10,000 or something. So it was, uh, you know, the IRS would have, uh, without the interference of a of an Article III judge, uh, uh, well, actually, I don't know if it was an Article III judge, it might've been a Magistrate, but without yeah. the interference of a judge, um, uh, would have would have violated many more and, people's and, fourth. And it was rights. ex parte. The oh, judge absolutely. did it. So the way this works is, you should know, we didn't oppose. We weren't there. Nobody knew there were records were getting seized. They just said, we want this. They went to a judge to do it. And he said, this looks like a little much without anyone saying it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so, uh, and this dates back to November 2016 when IRS uh, issued the third party summons to Coinbase. Uh, which was uh, the cryptocurrency exchange, uh, or at least one of them, where Mr. Harper uh, had some some crypto, and as as we were saying, uh, tens of thousands of other people uh, as well. And then, you know, after they obtained these records, and, and let me back up one more step and say the way that a John Doe summons is supposed to work, and the way that it had worked for about 20 years, is that the IRS would go in and they would say, we need the identity of these account holders. Once they had the identity of the account holders, then they could go to those account holders and say, we want your records. And then the account holders would be on notice, they could oppose it, et cetera. But here they sort of took a shortcut, right? They said, we want to know who the account holders are and we want all their information before they even know that we you know, have, have asked for it. And that is part uh, of the problem uh, that's, uh, you know, that is going on here. And Congress has looked at this John Doe summons issue before. The IRS is is a uh, is a recidivist when it comes to abusing its uh, its its power and violating the Fourth Amendment rights uh, of American citizens. And Congress is well aware of this, and they have a couple of times now, including as recently as 2019, gone back and looked at this issue and and clipped the wings of the IRS and said, No, 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 you, that's not the way that John Doe summonses work. Uh, you can't do that. And so uh, you know, we've. We've been arguing this case uh, for a while. Uh, we lost in the district court. We went up to the First Circuit before. Uh, the Supreme Court issued a ruling on, a, on, on an issue that was also an issue in our case. And then the First Circuit, based on that, said, oh, yeah, you're right. So they sent it back to the district court. 
we lose again at the dis- district court, and now we're back up and, to and the First Circuit again. The district court judge is switched because the first judge had died. And I noticed, I just noticed this morning that it was Joe LaPlante, who was a friend of mine in law school, and he's never ruled for me in any case. <laughs> <laughs> the, the gentleman who died or the new judge? No, no, the new guy. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, I've had, we've had other cases. I'm not on this case, obviously, but it wouldn't matter anyway. But it is, sure. and it's funny to me that, that he's never ruled in any case. My organizations have been... <laughs> you guys are good friends, I guess. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so you know, we're asking the First Circuit to, to reverse the District of New Hampshire on this, remand the lawsuit to the district court and and really address the this egregious violation of rights. And and the claim that we are making, first of all, is a Fourth Amendment claim uh, that this is a, a property-based violation of Mr. Harper's rights, that, that he has a, a vested property interest in these records, and that the third-party doctrine doesn't apply to property-based Fourth Amendment claims. This the third party doctrine is a is a judge created doctrine that suggests that if you've already shared your material with a third party, then you have a lessened privacy interest in it. And so it's not protected. Uh, and therefore, uh, the government maybe can get that with without jumping through all the hoops that it would normally have to jump through. But that's that's with when there's a, a sort of a liberty based interest in something, not when there's a property based interest. And here we're saying there's a property based interest in the actual records. And and John, papers and effects are explicitly mentioned in the Fourth uh, the, Amendment as something that that the Constitution protects. Yeah, that's true. Where no matter where you keep them, they you know I I do think that um, this property idea is so it's it's like trespass, right? If if the government is doing something to to like listen to your phone conversations, that is a privacy type interest when they're listening to you, um, not taking anything. But just like if they go on your property, that's a trespass. Here, they're taking a thing. If they chalk your tires, that's a trespass. Correct. And it's, and it, exactly. Yeah. And, and so, well, in the Sixth Circuit, not in the Ninth Circuit. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll fix that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it doesn't matter whether your papers and effects are actual paper or if they're digital records, which after all, there's still physical electrons there that, uh, uh, those are still records and papers that are uh, that are protected uh, by by the Fourth Amendment. Uh, the third party doctrine also we we told the First Circuit doesn't apply to uh, dragnet surveillance, and there are these factors called the Powell factors that that don't authorize the sweeping collection of millions of of transactional uh, records. So that's uh, that's the primary claim uh, that we're making in this case. There's a subsidiary issue over whether Mr. Harper has uh, the right to enforce the particular provisions of 26 USC 7609F uh, that the IRS uh, was was proceeding under uh, and um, uh, that, that IRS wasn't uh, compliant with. And, uh, you know, we, we argue that the Administrative Procedure Act does create an express right of action for him to uh, enforce that. And then in terms of 7609 itself, we say that uh, Mr. Harper has adequately alleged failure to identify an ascertainable group. That's one of the things you have to do is you have to have a group. And the group can't be the whole human race, right? It can't be just because you've described something that, you know, that does contain a finite number. That's not really what an ascertainable group is. What they mean is you've, you've identified, it's clear that the IRS has a particular group of people in mind, presumably a group over whom they have some articulable 
uh, suspicion and some probable cause to think that they've engaged in wrongdoing. So for example, you could imagine an ascertainable group would be all of the people who took advantage of this suspect tax shelter. That would be an ascertainable group. But simply everyone who owns cryptocurrency, that is not an ascertainable group. And they don't know who all is in that uh, in that group. And the fact that that you can give a summons to Coinbase and Coinbase can tell you whether or not a particular customer is or isn't in that group. And by the way, does Coinbase have any customers who aren't in that group? That would be <laughs> a little odd if they did. Uh, you know, that that doesn't that doesn't make the, the group ascertainable. That makes whether or not an individual is in the group ascertainable, which is different. Um, and, uh, you know, Harper has also pointed out that the IRS never showed that that people in this group had a greater propensity uh, to have failed to pay their taxes. That wasn't a showing that they made. Uh, the IRS, um, uh, and they haven't shown, the IRS has not shown that the material that it wanted wasn't readily available uh, from other sources, which once they had his name, it was readily available from other and, sources. And that is one of the reasons you have these these third-party doctrines, is that it isn't available except through some third party. Um, and, and that really wasn't covered here at all. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so, you know, so that's so you get the flavor of of what the uh, of what the Fourth Amendment uh, problem uh, is here. But there's also a Fifth Amendment problem, and this gets back to what John was saying about uh, the fact that this was an ex parte proceeding. You're not allowed under the Fifth Amendment to be deprived uh, of you know of your liberty uh, without due process of law. And there was no due process here. That he was not even informed of the fact that his liberty was being uh, diminished here or was being violated. And if you're not even informed of it, you can hardly have due process uh, of law. And and this was deliberate on the part of the IRS. They didn't want Mr. Harper to know that he was uh, that he was being looked at until the, and by the way, they knew that Mr. Harper had cryptocurrency because he reported it on his tax return. <laughs> so to suggest that this information wasn't available in some other you know, way, it would, the IRS's own documents showed that he was someone who owned cryptocurrency. And if they wanted more information, they could have sought it in a way that didn't involve a John Doe summons. They didn't need to use this special kind of, uh, of summons which is only there for when you can't get the information another way. But this is a shortcut that they were using, and it's a shortcut. And this, John, we see this all the time, that agencies take shortcuts to violate people's rights. Yeah, and, and they never wanted him to know, really. They wanted to, if they had some uh, crime, they'll go after somebody like that. But if you didn't commit a crime, your rights will be violated and you'd never know. That's a great point. And and they would just assume you not not ever know that your rights were, were violated. Uh, and that and that you never be in a position uh, to bring a, a lawsuit against the IRS to to vindicate uh, your rights. But fortunately, uh, Mr. Harper came to us. The New Civil Liberties Alliance has been on the case. As we say, the case has already gone up to the First Circuit once. We prevailed. Uh, the the issue in that case went up to the Supreme Court in a different case. Prevailed on that, despite prevailing on on that uh, set of issues. Uh, we we failed to convince the District Court of New Hampshire. On the, on the Fourth Amendment substance here. And so we're back uh, at, at the First uh, Circuit Court of Appeals. Full props to Richard Samp and Shang Lee, our colleagues who are, who are uh, in charge of this uh, litigation. And the uh, oral argument in this case will take place on March 4th in the U.S. Court of Appeals uh, for the First Circuit. So hopefully we'll be able to have 
uh, Shang uh, back to tell you what happens uh, at oral argument. Again, the case is Harper v. Werfel. <laughs>